Welcome to the Well Child Podcast, hosted by Dr. Sammy and Dr. Anna, two board-certified pediatricians and best friends known as the PediPals. This is a safe space where parents, caretakers, guardians, and those interested in pediatric health can find accurate parenting and medical information to raise healthy and happy children. To stay connected with us, follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at The PediPals, or visit our website at www.thepdpals.com. We are so grateful to have had a successful first season where we invited widely respected experts to discuss important topics. Here's to an even better season two just for you. Welcome PD Pals community. Today we have another wonderful episode dedicated to all the moms out there. Now, dads are allowed too, but our very special guest today has created a movement online dedicated to the moms. So we can't help but make this episode all about the moms. Our guest today is Tori Levine, and she's the founder of Momsiety Club and the host of the Momsiety Club podcast. She uses dance, Pilates, and her psychology training to help many moms manage all the struggles that come with mom life. With a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in criminal justice, she began her career as a caseworker in a child and adolescent psychology unit, supporting kids with autism and other behavioral diagnoses. Later, she turned her passion of movement and dance into a career where she now teaches bar and Pilates classes to other new moms to help them get in shape safely and effectively during and after pregnancy. She has been featured in multiple national publications, been a recurring presenter at the Pinnacle Health New Moms Network, and presented at the 2016 International Baby Wearing Conference and multiple MommyCon events. We are in full support of her mission to empower moms that might be struggling day to day with their mental and physical health and wellness. And we can't wait to talk to her today and find out all the ways that we as pediatricians and as women can continue to support each other and the moms that we know. So welcome, Tori. Thank you so much for having me. Both of you, this is, I'm so excited to chat with you. We're really excited too. And we see moms on the daily and we see mom anxiety on the daily. And this is kind of our mission is, is pretty similar because this is what got us on the podcast is because we see that moms are all struggling through very similar things. And we wanted to use our platform to empower them. And so we love that you do the same. Uh, But we know a lot about you, but we would love for you to kind of share your journey and and what brought you to the podcasting and social media world um, with our audience. Yes. Well, thank you. You gave a great introduction. (laughs) Um, So thank you for that. And what brought me here is really like an extension of that journey um, that I started Babies at the Bar, something called Babies at the Bar or Mommy Bar after my first son was born um, and he just turned seven. So that was a place for me to get back to the bar. Um, as a dancer, that's what I loved. And also I was just like, well, I don't have a sitter. Um, I was a stay at home mom by necessity because of lack of childcare for what my schedule was and my husband's. So I started babies at the bar because I say what saved me when I was a brand new first time mom was mom's group 
the ability to go and connect with other moms and just learn that I was not alone in all the things I was experiencing and feeling and worrying about. And from years and years, I know that there is a link between exercise and movement and mental health. And I just combined the two. And so I, I did that and focused on that for years and years. And then I had my second child in 2019 and I had really bad postpartum anxiety and he, well, so I just took some time off from mommy bar and like really being present on social media and came down to actually one of my mom friends that I met teaching babies at the bar classes is a counselor or a former counselor. And she was so openly sharing about her anxiety on social media. And to me, that was so brave. And I would never do that. I was so scared. And I saw this and then I was like, you know what? I've always wanted, I love listening to podcasts and I want to be able to be in the ear of me, you know, months ago, years ago, um, that new mom saying, you know, you're not alone. You're not, you may feel isolated, but you're not because guess what? Your neighbor's going through this. Your best friend two states away is going through this. It's just not being talked about. So I went to her and I was like, Hey, we need to start a podcast (laughs) and kind of like roped her into this. And, um, long story COVID happened. She couldn't, do it with me as much as I had um, planned and to be able to get things out. So she granted me (laughs) that I was able to continue on with it. Um, And it was really my therapy, as well as the therapy of the moms I was talking to and the people who were listening. And it's just really rewarding to talk to moms and share so that they can hear and then also share their own stories so that more and more moms get to know very similar to what you guys do. So I love that. That's wonderful. And I think there's so much that we can unravel in everything you just said from like, I'd love to hear more about your struggles with anxiety and what you said about movement. And I love how also you did recognize pretty early on in your motherhood journey that you still had to do stuff for you. And even though it evolved to include and involve your kids, that's really creative. Um, but the most important thing, which I think is is probably, I hope, the take-home message of this podcast is that we need to talk about this more. Um, there is so much pressure placed on moms, and um, it is not easy. And, and inadvertently, there's so much judgment. And um, I don't think we mean to be judgy, but we are yeah. <laughs> as moms. Um <laughs> And so it then it feels super isolating. So having your own support network is huge. I think just a survival for a parent. Otherwise, all of the feelings are heightened and even more amplified. Um, And so I think you gave so many good tips just in your little tiny blurb of like what to do for yourself and how to surround yourself with good people and how to make sure that you're open and honest about how you're feeling. Um, I think we're all really scared that when we're open about how we're feeling, that it's a sign of weakness. Like we can't handle it. I think that's a big part of it. And um, I think it's a sign of weakness if we don't talk about it. 
um, you know, ultimately, it's a point. A, right? It's a sign of strength if we just talk about the difficulties and the vulnerabilities and what our struggles are. And if we're just open about it, uh, we're all scared that we're going to get a lot of pushback um, or people will say, well, just do this. Or why didn't you do that? And lots of judgment. And rightfully so. It is a, a little bit harsh out there. But um, I think it's really great that you've said what you've said and, and opened that conversation for more moms. And I'm sure they appreciate it. So can you tell us a little bit, like when you were feeling that anxiety, the postpartum anxiety, like what, do, I don't want to, you know, like make you have to relive those moments too much, but like what was going through your head? What kinds of thoughts were you having? So, and I've shared this on my podcast and with just people I just talked to, but I thought I had anxiety after my first, I did not want to be thought of. And I was worried about calling the pediatrician's office (laughs) and calling, like calling you guys and saying, you know, this happened, whatever, and being labeled that first time anxious mom. So those were the things I was having anxiety about with him. Four and a half years later. Yeah, (laughs) they're four and a half years apart. And I got over that first, you know, being labeled, it was whatever I had to advocate for my child and my concerns. Well, now with my second, I didn't have all of those things. I wasn't like freaking out and panicking that he was, you know, not eating enough or was he going to like, was I going to walk in and he was not going to be okay in the middle of the night? those types of things. Those weren't the anxieties I was having. I don't even know how to explain the feelings I was feeling. I was just angry. I thought it was the biggest mistake that we had a second child. I had no idea how to handle it. I felt so upset with myself that I couldn't be the quote unquote perfect mom exactly how I was previously for my oldest that we could, I couldn't continue to have that one-on-one time. I had no idea how to split my attention and make sure they were both being cared for and feeling loved. And I really didn't have that connection feeling for a long time with my second because of all those, those other thoughts and things that I had no idea was anxiety. And it, just kind of went on and on. And it just was anger and frustration and overwhelm. And, you know, there's lots of stuff now on social media about like the mommy rage, like nothing my husband did was right. Nothing at all. And those are the things that pop out at me that I can think of. And I remember I went to uh, one of the mom's groups that I was able to get to And I said, does anybody else like think everything their husband does is wrong? And that opened up like a floodgate. So that was helpful. Um, And it really was in the mom's group. I, I am lucky in my area. We have two amazing psychiatrists who are former, well, they still are, but former practicing OBGYNs. They are like women's behavioral health centralized all about pre and postnatal or perinatal mood disorders 
and things having to do with menstruation and, you know, menopause and so on. So we were lucky enough, they had just started and they were recommended and somebody else had gone to them already and said, I felt the same way. You need to go there. And that was the turning point for me. And I still remember even after just upping my, because I was on Prozac previously, a lot of stuff happened in my pregnancy where I was taken off some of it, which I think, which definitely in hindsight added to the anxiety for pregnancy and postpartum. But it wasn't until my dosage got up to a, you know, what was required level that I remember like, I can still picture it like this out of body experience playing on the floor in um, our living room with my baby at the time. He was about 11 months old and like connecting and not being like, I'm not that the listeners can hear, but I'm like picking up my phone, not like freaking out and just getting caught in the scroll of things or reading news or anything. And at the same time, like having this, like, I feel like this suck into the phone or whatever else and going, but I need to be connecting and I'm not connecting right now. Like, but that, and I, so I don't know if that's making any sense. I'm just kind of babbling, but I remember this second and I, like I was sitting and playing and I was like, oh my gosh, there's no electronic device around me. I'm actually feeling connected with him. This is like the first time it's, I want to say like the light shone in and like there were rainbows and <laughs> songbirds and things all around. But um, so, yeah. You're tuned in to the Wild Child Podcast brought to you by the PD Pals. The PD Pals is our passion project and not-for-profit company where we aim to educate and empower parents and guardians and offer you accessible health tips. Our mission is to also support future female doctors. We currently have interns on our team who are all at different parts of their medical school journey. If you'd like to support our mission and help with our podcasting costs, you can donate to our Venmo at the PD Pals or our Zelle, which is hello at thepdpals.com. We greatly appreciate our audience's support. You can also support our interns on Venmo at interns-pdpals. Sorry, I'm just uh, I mean, on and on and on. <laughs> no, what I really appreciate about your answer is that you were so transparent, you know, and I think that just goes to the point where we need to talk about it, but also specific, like specifically our struggles, because I think that does really empower other moms listening to this. Um, and you hit so many great points. There are so many things I want to talk about. But number one, I think in, in the beginning, um, something that we talk to when we see moms and they come in and they're tired and they're exhausted. And, you know, there's one thing of being anxious about your child and your child's well-being. You know, that's a normal part of parenthood, right? You're going to be worried. You're going to be concerned about um, how much they should eat. Are they eating enough? Like this is a part of being a parent. And so, um, and what you beautifully said that, you know, you were going through some anxieties that were not, you know, not only in that line of thinking, you know, you were, there were other anxieties about being labeled, about being judged, what your pediatrician thought, what other people thought. And that's so commonplace, I think with moms, because like we talk about 
people's perception of us, you know, and then we decide to label ourselves. And then that kind of goes through that vicious cycle of us, you know, living in that anxiety. And so it's, it's definitely important, I think, to distinguish that there's a certain level of anxiety that comes with being a parent. And then there's going to be other things that we put on ourselves based on what, who we're talking to, what we're reading online. That's why it's so important to follow people online that are going to empower you rather than reinforce the labels, you know, and reinforce judgment on yourself. So I love that you kind of made that distinction early on. And the second thing I loved is that, you know, you, you, you went and asked for help. And um, that's why we have these great resources and professionals, because um, sometimes you definitely need that pre, you know, perinatally postpartum. Um, we want moms to be able to go and ask for that. But I know the kind of the million dollar question, <laughs> which is probably won't be answered in this in our little podcast, but in your opinion, how do you help them find that balance of taking care of themselves, filling their own cup, but then also being present for their baby? Um, and I know that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> so I feel like I kind of have a controversial answer um, because I say you have to take realistic self care, and it's self care when you can get it. That means five minutes to yourself, you know, or having the kids play in the living room while you're making dinner and, you know, knowing they're safe, but just staying in there for, again, like for two minutes and just like doing something. If you, if something mindless is what you need to do, then you do something mindless. Um, I like, there's been posts on social media and people sharing that, you know, going to the grocery store by yourself is not, that's not self-care. Well, there are times when it is because it's all you can get. And you have to find those moments and embrace those moments, especially, you know, depending on where you are in the country, where you are in the world with, um, COVID restrictions or whatever is going on or how it's like kind of playing out even your own household. There was a time when we, I didn't leave, especially in the beginning of COVID. We were here. Nobody came in. My husband was the only one who went out. The first time months and months later that I actually got to go somewhere, even with my oldest I was just like, oh my gosh, we got to go in the car today. Like, this is amazing. <laughs> Those types of things. So a little controversial, but it's really just, you know, yes, go to the spot if you get a chance. <laughs> you know, I'm not a nail person, but go get your nails done. <laughs> you know, those types of things. Get a massage. But if you don't get a chance to do that every day, which I don't know many people who do. Um, I'm sure there are people who do get to do that, but I'm not lucky enough to know them or be one of them, but you just have to take that time. Like if I was still commuting to work, that commute to work would be my realistic self-care to listen to whatever podcast I wanted to listen to or just jam out. So that's my, that's my answer. I don't know that any, everyone agrees, but that's how I go about it. I love it. 
And I wanted to just kind of, um, you know, rewind a little bit too. a couple of things. I just wanted to say, you know, just relatable if I can. The first is when you were saying, can your husband do no right? I just want to mention that he's been, mine has been clearing his throat halfway across the house throughout this podcast and I can hear him. And um, I'm like (laughs) sitting here like, yeah, speaking of husbands doing no right. (laughs) Like why does it have to be so loud? Like, does he have a megaphone? Like, Um, but yeah. And then the other thing too, is I really, there was a couple of big things. The first is I really just want to say, because people are listening as two pediatricians, we never, ever, ever think you're that mom ever. Um, you mentioned that it really is because it, we really are not judgy. (laughs) Like, Like that's, I think that's a part of being a doctor that you do have. Um, I mean, we have so much empathy, right. But, but we do have that element of like looking at you as a patient and as a family. And so we're not looking at you at all from a judgmental perspective. Like we have our doctor hat on and our doctor hat is, doesn't look at it that way. You know, we're not like, oh gosh, I can't believe if anything, we would so much rather you come and we can bring your anxiety down by reassuring you. I would so much rather that than you stay at home and be worrying and Googling. Um, so it's not a waste of my time. I, I encourage, I mean, Anna too, I know for sure. We encourage moms to ask as many questions as they want, but I think the place where it gets tricky for us, I the place where it's frustrating is that occasionally we do have to actually tell parents very rare, but occasionally we do have to tell them like that the anxiety has is like become detrimental to the family dynamic and then your child as well. Um, And that's usually, again, when there's so much anxiety that you are not able to do your day-to-day stuff. Like it is consuming your life. And then it's going to trickle down into your child because anxiety is also a learned behavior that we've learned. So when we have those conversations, even though they're not easy to hear, what's frustrating for us is when people get mad and offended. And we understand that that's part of it. Sometimes you're not ready to hear that, but that's the only time I would say, otherwise like bring it on. I mean, ask me a thousand million questions. Um, but you know, just know that, you know, we, we don't come at it from a judgmental standpoint at all. We come at it totally medical and, and we understand we've had, we've been asked everything. Like literally there's nothing we haven't been asked. Don't worry. Like you're not going to be the first one. <laughs> so um, that was one big thing. And then I also want to say, I really related to your one to two um, transition. I also have two kids and um, I, I mean, my wheels all fell off after number two. I mean, I think I thought my wheels fell off after number one. Like you said, you thought something with the mm-hmm. first one, cause that's already so hard to be a first time mom. But then I always say going from one to two feels like going from one to a million. It's suddenly like, oh, I can't, I can't actually do anything. Like I just, I can't even brush my hair. I can't even like, I can't. I don't have time for anything. Like there's so much needing going on and there's only one of me. And um, that's why we say it takes a village, but in our society, we don't have villages anymore. Right. It's all on us. Like whether you like it or not, some people are really blessed and they have a grandparent living in the house or they have someone living next door or they really do are able to get their village. But most of us don't. Um, it's just not that village doesn't really exist anymore. And we have to make our own village. And but yet we still have to manage the village, which is a task, right? Like, could you take care of this while I do this? And, blah, blah, blah. and so this big whole mental task. So like you, I'm rambling. So I'll be quiet now. But um, I wanted to say thank you for all of that, too. And um, Anna, did you have anything to add? 
No, that's totally, I, I completely um, resonate with what Sammy says, because a lot of times doctors will come and ask you questions and they'll, you know, they'll say, what about this? And what about this? And it sounds judgy. You know, I'm not going to lie. It sounds like we're being judgmental, but it is really, we're trying to piece together a picture and it's not coming from a place of malice. It's only to provide help. But as a first time mom or as a second time or third time mom, we can see how it's like the light shining on you, you know, but there are really no stupid questions. So I'm really glad um, Sammy mentioned that. That's really important. Um, but also, do you have any uh, kind of tips for pediatricians or for other new moms of, on, on how to prepare, you know, for first time moms that are um, going to go through this? Um, uh, any like things that you wish you would have known or, um, you know, in hindsight? You know, that is a tough question <laughs> because, <laughs> as you know, everything is different for every person and for each child. Um, I liked, and my tips were for other new moms about going to the pediatrician was always, you got to do what feels good for you. Just like you said, Sammy, like, call. So what? They can tell you it's fine. I actually did it like two weeks ago because my two-year-old was like hives out of nowhere. And I was like, okay, what do I do? And they're like, nothing. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> you know, if it lasts for five days, then call us back. So I was like, okay, thank you. It's good now. <laughs> um, so I say, you know, ask your questions, but also depending on what type of practice they go to, um, where I take my kids, there are multiple doctors. We have our one doctor, but if we need to go for a sick visit, I know the doctors who I kind of like am in line with, who are the same level, I would say, of cautiousness as me. And I know the ones who are just days. not, I don't want to, not like, but you know, I would be more like, well, I want to know all the information and I know the ones who are going to skirt around things. So, um, I guess if we flip that for pediatricians, if you have a crystal ball and you can kind of read into the parents who are sitting in front of you, it would just be, you know, by saying, you know, well, this, sorry, let me say that over again. It would just be, you know, talking to them and if they want more information, trying to give them more information. Again, like what you said, I, I loved your point, Sammy, that, you know, it can be a lot of questions, but we just are trying to provide information. Um, and it has nothing to do with the parent and the amount of questions they're asking that will answer however many questions you have. Because like, I don't know, I get home and I'm like, oh, well, I wanted to ask this, 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 and this after I like think about what the doctor has told me. Exactly. Um, and I'm, I'm like, well, do I email them or do I just wait? <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. And different doctors have different styles, but we never mind. Like we don't mind holding someone's hand literally every day through something. Um, what, you know, if that's what they need, you know, some parents are perfectly comfortable handling a sick child and some are like, I can't do this. And that's okay. It's really hard. Um, again, I'm a mom, I'm a doctor. And there are times where my kids are sick, where I'm like, Mm-mm, nope, I I'm too emotionally adv- attached. I have no clue what's going on anymore and I need help. Um, So it's very, very understandable for us. Well, um, Tori, do you mind telling our viewers? Because I feel like we could talk to you forever, but I know that they want to know where can they find you online and um, where are you located? Yes. So thank you for asking and thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. I feel like I could chat with you to it forever as well. <laughs> but uh, I am in Pennsylvania. I'm in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Um, but I really work with moms online uh, from all over the place. And you can find me on Instagram and Facebook at the, no, sorry, at Momxiety Club. It's M O M X I E T Y Club. Um, and also, you can find info and get free resources at join.momxietyclub.com. And there's tips about ways to reduce anxiety, which is the number one um, free resource if anyone's interested. Awesome. Well, thank you once again. And we hope to chat you chat with you again on your podcast. <laughs> Thanks again for coming on, Tori. Thank you so much. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any other agency, hospital, organization, employer, or company. Assumptions made in the analysis are not reflective of the position of any entity other than the participants. The participants are critically thinking human beings. Therefore, these views are always subject to change, revision, reconsideration, and recalculation at any time. This podcast collaboration makes no warranties or representations as to accuracy, completeness, correctness, suitability, or validity of any information, communication, exchange, and the participants will not be liable for any errors, omissions, or delays in this information, or any losses, injuries, or damages arising from its broadcast dissemination or use. All information is provided on an as-is basis. It is the communication recipient's responsibility to verify any facts.